really enjoy uh, get, getting the updates from our sister church in Romania this week. Pastor Soren sent me uh, a word, uh, a word of uh, encouragement to us here as well. I was almost broken when all of a sudden I, I get this message from him that says, "Hey, we're we're praying for for you in America," and uh, I, I appreciate that. They certainly can identify with our needs here and the need that we have for prayer. And so he sends his greetings and. With that, uh, I appreciate what Brother John said, but I thought this morning we might just take a minute or two and focus on our nation and and pray for our nation. We need to be in prayer, certainly for our leadership in America today. uh, For um, We we talked about this in our Sunday school class. We we have to stop hating each other. Uh, The Bible says, how can the love of Christ be in us if we hate our, our brothers and our sisters. And uh, we uh, have to example the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God always has an answer for all of our needs, whether they're civic or social or spiritual or emotional. And one of those scriptures that he gave to us for these times that uh, is, is presented to the nation of Israel and God says this to Israel because, believe it or not, Israel went through some uh, civil times of disorder. Uh, and uh, God's remedy for them was this. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. I want to encourage this morning. We're just going to take a moment and pray. And as we do, remember uh, our leadership. You can join me here at the altar if you like or just right where you are. And uh, let's just take a minute or two to focus on praying for the needs and the healing of our nation. So um, bow with me and we'll do that this morning. Father in heaven, we we truly come to you with a deep burden in our heart for this uh, for this our land, this nation. And Father, you would begin to heal the divides and the anger, the hatred, all the separation. Lord, we know that as 
your children, we've experienced the greatest expression of love. That you would come and die for us while we were sinners. You would give up your life. And that you would love us in spite of our own sin, our own rebellion against you. And Lord, help us to pass that love on to others, that sense of healing. Father, we we confess that we've sinned against you. We've harbored hate or prejudice in our hearts. Or, Lord, we've just simply walked away from trusting you completely. So, Lord, we confess that to you as, as individuals, as a nation. And we pray, God, for your healing today. Father, we just pray for um, the comfort that we need and the strength and guidance that we need as a nation to go forward and truly know what it is to experience your grace with thankful hearts and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Please continue the prayer for this great land, this great nation. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew 28. And this morning I want to share with you uh, about, we've been looking at the church and some things about the church, but about how the Lord Jesus Christ commissioned His church uh, in a sense that He gave the church its instruction for its mission or its mission statement, certainly. And I want you to think about it just for a minute. Get the scene here just for a while. Uh, Jesus was with his disciples. They were somewhere in Galilee. Uh, His resurrection had probably been several days before that. So they'd gotten over the initial shock of Jesus being raised from the dead. Uh, They still weren't, some of them, completely convinced or still were a little bit skeptical about what was going on. Uh, and, And yet they'd had enough time to kind of process all of it. And Jesus was there, and he began to share with the disciples. And in a sense, in uh, amplification, the church itself, what it needed to do after he left. What would be their assignment uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ uh, would leave? And so, with all that, uh, and with that understanding, think about just for a moment how impressed and how open the disciples' heart must have been to hear those things from him. I don't think the times that we're going through uh, are an accident at all, but I believe that God is absolutely and always in control. And I believe the things that, that are happening to us today is a way that God opens our stubborn hearts sometimes, uh, that, that God uh, speaks to us sometimes uh, through the struggles that we go through. Uh, there's a passage in Hebrews where it talks about uh, God is going to shake those things, shake all things, and, and, and what has value to it will last and what doesn't will pass away. And, and so he, he, he shakes us up from time to time. I'm reminded of the instructions on a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, right? Have you guys seen that shake well before using uh, you know, if you've ever taken any of that stuff and if you don't shake it up, it's it's worse than it is if you do. But it doesn't have as much value. But once it's shaken, then it all comes together and it's all one. And in, in that, it's helpful. You see, I believe that God may be shaking His church today. And so that you and I will become closer to each other, 
more committed to his calling, that those things that aren't real or don't have much value will fall away so that we can get down to the very important things. And I know one of those great important things is what Jesus shares with his disciples that you and I need to remind ourselves constantly of and and be refreshed about in our own minds and understandings. Listen to what he says in Matthew 28. And and begin with me, if you would, in verse 18. He says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Amen. Pray with me if you would. Father in heaven, we love you and we praise you today. Thank you, Lord, that in our our times of confusion or our times when our eyes wander away, that God, you're there to bring us back into focus as a church or in our own personal lives. Lord, help, help us to understand that the difficulties of the days that we live in only call for us to trust you more, to put a greater faith in what you say and what we understand about you. And so, Lord, I pray certainly for this nation, but, Lord, I pray for your church, for the testimony of believers and the power that our testimony and how it's strengthened in persecution and resistance and opposition. So, Lord, I pray this morning as we re-examine again the message that you have for your church today, that, Lord, we'll do it being strengthened by it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, think, think with me again just for a moment that the message that Jesus had for the disciples is as relevant then as it is today. Uh, So we need to go back and examine some of those things about what Jesus is saying about commissioning his church. First of all, I want you to see with me that Christians are the ones that are commissioned. That God commissions those who belong to him. Those who have put their faith and their trust in him. that, That are a part of the body of Christ. You know, the Bible gives so much information about what it is to be a part of the body of Christ, the church. It talks about the unity of that body. It talks about the individuality of each member in that body. It talks about the ministry of the body. It talks about God equipping the body. You see, the church is important to the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it's so important, not not, uh, only in the past, but today, uh, that uh, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians that one day, that after the church is removed, that the world will be left unrestrained. That lawlessness will prevail. And so the importance of the church in the sense that it's a restraining element. It's a restraining thing to just absolute ungodliness and lawlessness. Why? Because of what we stand for. Because of what we believe, because of who we are, what we do, your life and your participation in the church and your, your relationship to Jesus Christ makes a difference in the world today. And we ought to celebrate that in our lives and go out and live out that 
very thing every single day because Christians are the ones that are commissioned for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you some things about that. Because we are Christians, that Christians are authorized to go for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he says in verse 18, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Before Jesus ever gives the statement of commissioning the church, he announces his authority. So by the authority of Jesus Christ, you and I are his authorized representatives on this earth. That ought to make you feel pretty significant or pretty good that we're authorized to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may work for a company or own your own company uh, or, or work in a certain field where uh, you're authorized to speak on behalf of someone else. That's pretty important and pretty intimidating, uh, every, uh, I mean, um, for the most part. But yet, that's exactly what Jesus Christ has assigned us to do. He's authorized us to minister and speak on His behalf in this world today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul gives it kind of in a different way, and he calls us ambassadors for Christ. And and we're representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, authorized by Him to go out and speak on His behalf. What do we speak on His behalf? The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Paul says in that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we're to, to be ministers of reconciliation. And that we're to have a message of reconciliation. And that message of reconciliation is no other message than other than the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And that through his death that we can be reconciled to God. Paul pleads for that ministry to take place in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, I implore you to be ambassadors for Christ. So now all of a sudden we, we look at our life and, and, and our, our reason and our purpose for being ambassadors or authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ. The power and the privilege and really the prominence of the Lord Jesus Christ, we go in His name. The Bible says that that name is above every name. So your authorization comes from the highest seat of authority and power, Almighty God Himself. And so because of that, we go. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, Who has gone into heaven, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to Him. So our authorization comes from the highest of the high. Lord Jesus Christ Himself, you're authorized. It's okay. In other words, for you to go out and represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Another thing about this commissioning of the church or Christians who are commissions is that Christians are accountable to go. That it's not suggestive in nature, but it's really a command for you and I to go. And in the scripture, Jesus says, Go therefore. And the idea of go in the English language, we could uh, substitute that pronoun before that, you go. You go. 
In other words, and, and therefore is because I've authorized you, now you go. You see, if Christ hadn't authorized us, then there wouldn't be the accountability of, of going or not going. But because he has authorized us, then there's this expectation that you and I as believers are going to go out and represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And, and so Jesus says, you go. Jesus is commissioning his disciples just, just, just as he commissions us today. He's not just talking to that group that was around him that day. And we can look at that and say, oh, no, Jesus was just talking to those those guys that were there with him, those that no, he's not. Because why would he say later, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. No, he's talking to you and I. And every Christian who's ever lived or ever will live until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're accountable for that. We'll give an answer to God for that. For our representation our, that he's authorized us to do. And, well, with that idea said, accountability and authorization, look a little bit further with me in verse 19, because also Christians should be active in doing that, right? <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus says, go. Go. Now, the word go is kind of an action kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, every now and then, Jackie will tell me, she says, Go. And, you know, she's not authorizing me to go. She's telling me to go uh, with authority sometimes. And so to keep peace and to fulfill my part as a husband, sometimes I'll go. But nevertheless, he says, go. He's calling you and I to be active in going. Really, as you look at that in the Greek language, it, it really has the idea of of a lifestyle. We could really translate that as you're going. In other words, what Jesus is saying, as you're living out your life, represent me. As you're doing the monumental things in life or the mundane things in life, represent me. What did Paul say? Whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Well, that's really what Jesus is saying. Whatsoever you do, do it as unto me. And so he's saying as you're going, as you're living your life, your lifestyle ought to be one of making disciples. It ought to be exampling the changing power of the grace of God in our lives every single day. It ought to be re representing the principles and the fundamental things of our faith when it comes to our connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be a lifestyle. Not only that, but, but while you're going, it ought to be lifelong lifestyle. Every day of our life, we should be thinking toward those kind of things. Our daily pursuits. The first thing that we have, uh, or our first thought that we have about other people, ought to be, that we meet, ought to be, with that lifestyle, with that authorization, with that ambassadorship in mind. In other words, we ought to look at, you know, people look at the world in so many different ways, right? We, we, human beings are guilty in dividing the world. You know, the problem is when our divisions come by color, gender, age, economics, educational accomplishments, status, those kind of things. When we divide the world that way, 
then we're not representing the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me give you a new way to think about the people that you come in contact with. What if we divided this world by whether or not, hey, is she lost or is she saved? Is he a believer or an unbeliever? What if that was the biggest burning question on our mind the first time that we met someone or the times that we come across people that we've known for years is that thought of really where will they spend eternity? How about if we divided the world that way? And we begin to live a lifestyle and a lifelong pursuit of representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Because really when it comes down to it, isn't that the only thing that matters? Is whether or not we'll be with Christ forever. And so Christians ought to be active in this thing because Christians are commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a second thing. Not only are Christians commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ as He commissions His church because believers make up the church. Stands a reason. We can't be a part unless we're contributing to, to, to the church. And so we're commissioned. But li- listen to what he says about the cause of the commission. Why did, he, why did he give us? Or what message did he give us? Or what burden is he laying on our hearts? He says, go therefore and what? And make disciples. There's the fundamental reason that the church exists today. Uh, you say, well, Brother Mike, I, I, I thought it was about... This, I thought it was about helping people or I thought it was about doing good things. It's a part of it. But our ultimate task is to make disciples, make followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to reproduce our own selves by the, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, and when we make disciples, one thing that we need to understand, that making a disciple, it's all about transformation, isn't it? I mean, discipleship is about transformation. If we're a follower or a learner, that's what that word means, disciples. If we're a follower or a learner of the Lord Jesus Christ, what are we doing? We're learning new things that replace old things. Amen? I mean, when we first come to Christ, we're new in our faith. The Bible compares us to being babes in Christ. And as a baby, we need to grow. We need to learn new things. For, for you and I who, who are adults today, and maybe we've been a believer for a long time, maybe not so long, uh, uh, a great while, but we're still in that process of learning, being transformed. And, and look, we're, we're transforming or replacing our thinking. Paul described it like this in Romans 12. He says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to be having our minds changed. In other words, those thoughts that, that we are confronted with Scripture, that we, we know that don't bring us closer to Jesus Christ, then what do we do? We, we replace those with the truth of Scripture. And so we grow and this transformation takes place. And so God is calling you and I to be agents of transformation. And, and really one of the basic things about being an agent of transformation is to be experiencing transformation ourselves. If we're not being changed, then we can't help anyone else be changed. If we don't see the need for it in our own life, how can we ex- 
explain it to someone else. A few of the first times that Jack and I went to Romania, uh, we went with uh, a guy who facilitated these trips, and uh, he was uh, uh, he was uh, gung ho. I mean, we went first group we went with about forty people, and it was chaos. Uh, second time there was about forty five people, and it was chaos. Uh, but we went with this idea, and he had a, a plan for or a strategy for what he wanted to do in Romania. And what he wanted to do in Romania is that he wanted to send uh, uh, Americans out with translators and interpreters and drivers just, just from this central hub to miles out into the villages. I mean, there there was one trip, and, and Mike can say amen to this, that we would travel two and three hours in the morning time to get to where we're going, minister all day, and drive two and three hours back at night. And we were going from village to village to village. We were doing kids' clubs. Uh, we were meeting with adults and, and just preaching evangelistically to the adults and all those kind of things. And we'd hit this village, this village, this village. But But, you know, after a couple of trips like that, Jake and I began to pray, and something in our hearts just wasn't right. And, and what wasn't right, and we come to understand, was the fact that we weren't doing what God had called us to do. Because there was no support for any of these villages that we went to after we'd shared the gospel and people made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. No one to disciple him. There were no Christian churches there. No other believers there other than them. So how were they going to be disciples? So we got convicted about that. And so we found another guy for a trip or two that helped us facilitate. And his philosophy was he had partners with Christians in villages. That a pastor that was already there, or a pastor that wanted to have a church in this village. And so we began to partner with these other pastors and help them in the work of the ministry so that when these people would come to Christ, they'd have follow up discipleship. You see, that's what God has called you and I to engage in. Yeah, evangelism is a huge part of this thing. But evangelism isn't the end all be all. Because it's not just enough to introduce them to Jesus Christ, but what the goal is, is to make followers of Jesus Christ. And God's called us to participate in that very thing. Transformation is universal. He says, make disciples of all nations. Everyone needs to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. At some level or some place, you and I need to be involved in in making disciples at all levels. Whether it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We can do that by praying, by giving. The world that we live in today, we can go, we can share, we can minister, and see that transformation take place. Well, not only does Jesus say about transformation, about making disciples, but he says also it's about testimony, about our testimony about someone's testimony. He says, making disciples. Go ye, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That has to do with testimony, doesn't it? Is that the church uh, uh, encourages you and I to give a public testimony. That's what baptism is, isn't it? When someone's saved and they receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, then they follow up that profession of faith with a public testimony. And so Jesus was saying that a part of what the church's ministry is, is or a part of disciple-making, is that public testimony. 
is that we give opportunity for people to make a public testimony, but we also encourage them to continue that public testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we baptize them. You see, baptism is a powerful testimony. It's a powerful, it's a personal testimony in that it pictures what happens inside a believer that they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's what baptism pictures. But also it's a powerful testimony because we do it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this public testimony becomes a powerful thing. And, and so it's a part of our, our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be here today. If you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. You need to make that public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that you do that. And then also, it's not only about testimony, but it involves teaching. You see, transformation comes through teaching. He says, teaching them uh, all things I've commanded you. To observe all things that I've commanded you. You see, all things that he's commanded, this is what for you and I today is the Bible. I mean, look, it, I, I, the church, our church, the Garrison Baptist Church, stands on the Word of God. It's, it's, it's about the Bible. It's about what God says. It's not, we're not going to yield to what the world says that we ought to believe or how we ought to practice our faith or, or what we know to be true about the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do that, then, we, hey, we're not a church anymore. Or we're not a part of the church. So we believe and we trust in what God says and we teach what He says in 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 our, our, our Sunday schools and our small groups and uh, the opportunities that we have to minister through our lives, we teach the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he talks about to observe. You know, the, the idea of observe means to watch over in order to protect. Do you know what the Word of God does in our lives? It watches over us in order to protect us. And so that's why we teach it. So that you and I can live under the power and authority and really the protection of God in our lives today. And so what do we do? We teach. We teach. Why? Because that's what Jesus said to do. That's the cause of His commission is to make disciples. Now listen, there's also the last thing that He gives us. And what I really get excited about, because when you think about all these things, especially in the world that we live in today, kind of a scary proposition, isn't it? To be able to go out and stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We might get canceled if we do that, you know. Or, or what we really need to do it, when it comes to Jesus Christ, we need to get woke, <laughs> awakened to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And, 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 and not worry about anything else about those things. But yet, sometimes we need confidence for the commissioning, right? For the commission that God's given us. We, we need some courage. We don't need to fear. And Jesus says that very thing. And he gives us some, some assurance. And he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, Jesus says, I'm with you no matter where you go, no matter when you go, no matter what you're involved in. Uh, many years ago, I uh, took a church and pastored it in the Cookville area. And... Um, I was new there at that particular church. And 
So I had uh, one of the ladies of my church come up and she said, Brother Mike, she said, uh, I'm worried about my brother. I don't think he's a Christian. Uh, his name's Ralph. He said, I'm just not sure Ralph's a Christian. And she said, would you come over and talk to him? And I said, well, sure. She says, he lives with us, my husband and I, in the basement of our home. And if you'll come over. And so we set out the day and the time later on in the week for me to go over and talk to Ralph. So before I went over to talk to Ralph, I was talking to one of my deacons. As a matter of fact, he was, he was a relative of Ralph. And he says, oh, you're going over to talk to Ralph. And I said, well, yeah. And he said, hmm. He said, preacher, he said, I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, for the last 20 years, we've been sending preachers over to talk to Ralph. And he's hard. And he's difficult. And I just want you to know that. Well, appreciate that. Now, you've scared me really well. Uh, you know, uh, now I'm going to dread this until the time comes. You know how you live in, oh, gee, why did I commit to this, you know, and, and all. And so they come, went over, knocked on the door, and uh, met uh, his sister and talked to her a little bit. And he said, Ralph's down in the basement. You can go talk to him down there. I said, aren't you going to come with me? <laughs> you know, low, aren't you going to go with me? <laughs> and uh, no, no. And so I, I went down and I began to have a conversation with Ralph. Uh, just talking to him about things and got to know him a little bit about who he was. And so I, I turned that conversation toward Christ. And... I begin to see in, in Ralph's face, and, I, you know, it's the Lord. The Lord not only goes with us, but he goes before us. And he prepares the way. And for that week, I really struggled about what was going to happen, what I was going to say, about how he was going to react. And, and you know how our minds work, right? You can come up with our imagination is boundless about how bad things can go. Generally, and mine had messed with me all week, and so I got to that point where it was time to talk about Jesus, and so I began to talk to him about his salvation. Now, Ralph, this was a long time ago, and Ralph was older then, and so he'd been brought up. All culture, society in his day was all about the church. Everybody knew about Jesus, and for him to resist that message, I knew his heart may have been pretty hard. But what I'd forgotten is the Lord, lo, I'm with you always, even the end of the age. And so the more I began to share with him about Jesus Christ, about my personal journey to coming to Jesus Christ, and begin to talk to him about his life, his needs, uh, Ralph accepted Christ as his Savior. And he started coming to church. And he came to church for a while, at a lot of people's amazement for a while. Uh, but it wasn't less than a year that Ralph was diagnosed with a terminal kind of cancer. I didn't know that when I was witnessing to him. God did. And God had begun to work and prepare his heart to receive Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And a few months later, I was able to do Ralph's funeral. And I want you to know, and I, I've done some funerals, as a matter of fact, one this week, uh, and uh, where I haven't had the assurance that the person that I was doing the funeral for knew Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, 
And so, and, and, and I, that's why Jackie and I uh, talk to our, our grandkids and our kids. We want them more than anything else to know that we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Because when it comes that time for us to leave this earth, I, I want them to know. Not linger in doubt or question or worry or whatever. I want them to know. And, and so for me, I knew what Ralph's heart was. Because God had given me the pleasure of being reminded that no matter how fearful it is, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What assurance and confidence God gives us to witness for him if we begin that step of faith toward making disciples of people that we come in contact with. Because that's what Christ has commissioned his church to do, is make disciples. Bow with me and let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, I'm so thankful today that God, you're always with us. That you never give us an instruction, a command, an assignment that you're not fully committed to yourself to walk to through those things with us. Lord, thank you that you're very plain and straightforward about what the church is to do and about how we're to do it. And, and Father, I pray that you'll begin to renew and, and re-energize and give us new passion for reaching out to people that we know, that we contact, that are in our, our circle of life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to look at this world and, and, and not divide it on any other lines than whether or not somebody knows you as their personal Savior. Help us to have that, that, that first desire to want them to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I ask these things in His name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to 